One of the things in looking at that, um, the video the last few weeks that I, 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 I sort of remember this week, I went, do you know what? There's probably some people out there looking at that video going, it's actually a really fine day. I could be out fishing. And I'm going, I'm glad you were here. If anyone's listening online uh, later on the week and you have been out fishing, um, I hope you caught something and you bring me some of the catch. Um, but I wanted to talk, this, just to kick off this morning, I wanted to talk about like the ones that got away. Anyone had a fish that has, they've, it's got away from them and they've got it on the line, they're winding in, the rod is going like crazy, winding in and somewhere before the fish is in the boat, Line snaps, fish just gets off the hook, um, and you lose the fish. And as I've been thinking about this, I'm going, is it best to lose the fish before you see it? So you can imagine, okay, it was, it was a fish this big. Or is it, and, and so that you can just live with the sort of idea, oh, it was going to be a big fish. Or is it best to actually see the fish and then you can go, oh, and, but I, because for me, I'm thinking, if I actually saw the fish, if you got it close enough to the boat to, to bring it in or close enough to land to, to actually see it and go, it's almost there, and then to see it get away, I think that would be like, it's a little bit heartbreaking to see that. Like, um, and and I, 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 there, was, there was a time when I was fishing with my dad at a spot that we went to when we were kids quite a bit, and it was nice, clear water. Um, I've actually been there um, snorkeling at, at other times, and, and it's a really nice place. And we were fishing one time. We'd actually finished fishing. Um, we were coming back in my dad's really big canoe. There was about six of us, five of us in the canoe, and we were coming back. And the water was so clear, you could see all the way to the bottom. And, and, and it was very tidal there, so it could be anywhere from probably three or four metres to six metres sort of deep in that area. And, and so, but it was really, really clear. And as we're coming along, all of a sudden, we could see this shape on the bottom, sitting right in the sand, and it was a flathead. Now, the thing is, I'm not going to show you how long it was this way, because it'll probably hurt my shoulders going that far. But across its head, it was about this big. And so we're going, oh, we're like, we're going, hey, we've got to catch this fish, and we're trying to sort of get a line. But as soon as the shadow of the boat went over the flathead, it just took off like a light. And so we, we, we saw this fish that we would have loved to catch. We saw it. And, and like, again, like we, we didn't have any spear guns, but I'm thinking we would have considered it if we had them on the boat. Like, I think even some of us were considering jumping in and trying to chase it down. Like, um, not that that would have been possible. But the one that, that got away always becomes that story. Um, and like, and, and I suppose for some of us, the one that we've caught becomes bigger and bigger too. I, you catch a fish like this big and all of a sudden it becomes this big and then, oh yeah, it was actually a shark that I caught with my bare hands. Like, it, that's how the story stretched. But the one that got away, I think, I kind of wanted to apply that to what we're talking about today because I, I think there are times that there are people in our life that are the ones who got away. Um, they're the ones who we've, we've, we, we haven't taken the opportunity that God has presented us with. And, and the thing is, sometimes it's not the one that's got away because there's people that I've shared with and, and it's only gone so far. And like, I'm going, I've tried, I've baited the hook, I've cast a net, it hasn't got anywhere. But I think very sad in our modern idea of, of church and Christianity is the idea that it's the one that we've never fished for. It's not the one that's got away. Like, if, 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 if non-Christians were fish, 
and they were swimming in the ocean in front of us, a lot of them feel very safe about not getting caught because we're not even trying to catch them. And so we, we've talked in the first two weeks, we've talked about, we, it's not about casting a rod out and, and aiming at specific people and, and, and baiting a hook, and it's about casting a net that captures everyone that comes across our path and letting God decide what he wants to do with them. Like it's not up for us to say this person is worthy to come in to become a Christian because even, even that statement, when you understand how the Bible works, that is, a, that is a dumb Bible statement to go, oh, they're not worthy enough. Because if we use that statement, guess what? None of us are caught because none of us are worthy. What Jesus did, he did on the undeserving. He did so that we who were un, who were enemies of God could come and be part of the family of God. So that statement, we say these people aren't good enough for God. We're only going to approach good people. It's not, it's not what God said. Like even those who came and followed Jesus, the stories are not... There are, there's probably more stories of the people that lives were messed up than the people that lives were together who came to know Jesus. And I, I think it does need to have a shift in our lives, in the life of our church, where we sort of see the people of this world and go, do you know what? I can't help them in that. I can't help them in that. But I can give them Jesus who will help them in so much. And that, that needs to be a driving force for us. And so it's about casting a net. And last week we looked at this idea of following Jesus, which kind of leads into this week really importantly, because if we don't follow Jesus, part of the problem is when people are looking for someone to talk to about God, they don't know who to talk about because they don't even know we're Christian. They don't even know that we have a faith that dictates how we believe and, 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 and gives us joy and gives us peace and gives us hope. And for some of us, I think we live in such a way that we look like everyone else. We can be super worried. We can be super stressed out. We can be like, even our behaviors can look exactly like everyone else. And so when they look at us, they go, well, you're no help. Your life is just as messed up as mine. You are just as stressed as I am. You, you have just as much of a potty mouth as I do. And they go, why would I go to you? And so when we follow Jesus, this is the thing. When we follow Jesus, there is change that happens in our life. Because I challenge you, if you want to be in Jesus' presence, he will change you. He won't leave you the same way. Like The thing is, it's, it's amazing when you spend time with even just people that you will change subtly. Some people change dramatically. I, I'm probably looking out there, a lot of the husbands out here, I think you have probably changed dramatically while you've been married. It doesn't have to be any hammer or whip or anything like that, but it can just be a sentence. Are you wearing that out? Anyone ever heard that phrase? So, <laughs> does he hear it all the time, Fatiaki? Are you wearing that out? But the thing is, like those little changes... Uh, just just by being with someone that you care about, it's just natural. But when you are in the presence of Jesus, someone who is in the business of transforming lives, change will be dynamic. And so when we follow Jesus, there will be dynamic change. 
It's not saying problems won't be present. It won't be saying that you don't worry. It might be saying, do you know what? I'm really stressed out about this, but I'm so glad I got God in my life. It might be saying, looking in your life and even what Jess said before that, oh, she was trusting in God for today. And people said, hey, you look really calm. I actually had a, um, one of the jobs I, I had when I was younger. I worked at a youth shelter and uh, these were kids that um, exhibited our official term was challenging behaviours and that kind of was a big range. We had everything from kids who would run away, from kids that would hit themselves in the nose, uh, kids that would be violent towards us, uh, kids that were just would panic and freak out. And, and sometimes we'd have to intervene and we'd have to um, like hold children to, to prevent them from hurting themselves, hurting others, damaging property. And so we were trained how to do that, but it was a really stressful time when you had to do something like that. And we had this worker who had, had just had a baby and she I hadn't met her and she but she was with the organization before I started and she came back in to start working again and so we hadn't worked together too much at that point in time and and we had a few bumpy shifts not between us but with with the kids and there was one time we were we were restraining this one child and and went through all our processes we went through we um, as it escalated we de-escalated we sort of got the child back in the room debriefed with the child and and then we had to write up the report the thing is, by that point in time, like, you're all stiff, you're all sort of sweaty, you're all stressed, and all those kinds of things. And she actually said to me, went, when I was looking at you during that incident, you looked so calm. I went, I didn't feel calm, like, and so, but I'm going, as I thought about it, I went, and I, I was, I caught the moment, I'm glad I caught the moment, because I went, oh, it must be the peace that God gives me because I, I, don't, I don't feel that all the time. And so I, I gave credit to God. I gave God credit for something he was doing in my life. And so all of a sudden, there was just this brief opportunity to just witness to who God was. And that was good, because in that workplace, I was able to talk about God at times. I even had one of my shift partners that I got on really well with, because um, at the time I was learning how to preach, and I was preaching about once a month uh, at my church in Toowoomba. And so what I would do... I would give her the outline of my sermons each week. I'd give her my opening jokes. I'd do all that kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden, she's getting like a summary of my sermon each week and, and getting her feedback on it. And I didn't really need her feedback on it, but I just wanted to sort of include her. And sometimes I'd go, oh, how do you think of this opening joke? And she's, you can't say that in a church. Yes, I can. I can say that in a church. And she's like, what kind of church can you say that in? And so, but all of a sudden, we were able to talk about different things. And so all, that became an opportunity for me at times to share about my faith. Even one of the great things with the kids I was working with in the shelter, we couldn't be very active in, it was actually under the Uniting Church, but we could not be very active in um, pushing our faith. However, you could be bringing in new age stuff, so like prayer, prayer things and dream catches and all those kinds of things, but couldn't actively bring in something about Jesus Christ. So what I did, I, I had a number of, we had a number of boys love reading and I had comics. And so I'd, I'd bring in my Archie comics, but then I'd also bring in my Bible comics and I'd let them choose. And they would choose Archie one time and, and so all of a sudden they were able to, to discover the stories of the Bible and who God was. And so again, if they asked me a question, I could tell them what I thought, but I couldn't engage. And so it just promoted, provided opportunities so again to, to really identify as a follower of Jesus. 
And, and, and one of the sad things, this is probably one of the few sad things about being a pastor, is that everyone knows, when you say, well, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, they kind of, especially if they don't know what to expect of pastors, they behave themselves really, really well. Some people go the other way and go, oh, few words here and then they and they kind of avoid you for the rest of the night but some people they they just go oh we've got to be on our best behavior because this guy's a pastor but when when you sort of work a job if people discover that you are a Christ follower just by the way you live and the way you talk that has an impact that you won't even know about at times and it's been great to listen over the years in this church and people have told me different stories about how they have lived out their faith at work and how they've stood up for Jesus at work and how they've cared for people at work and all of a sudden people, they know who they are by what they do and, and what they say and that becomes really, really important. So basically um, today we're going to be talking about how we can go from being casting on kingdom net, being following, following that instruction of, of Jesus to follow him and taking that to the ends of the earth. I just want to have a look at John sixteen seven, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples before his um, crucifixion. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And we know that Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit here. And we, we see him um, repeat this uh, in, in Acts uh, 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus was saying, I'm going to empower you to do it. Now, again, this is, this is a really important concept and, and realization that can change the way that you live out your faith. Because sometimes we will go, I have to be X, Y type of Christian before I can do W, Z over here. And we never believe that we get to this. This is, this is, this is the, the algebraic um, sort of Christian sort of concept you need to grab a hold of. You plus the Holy Spirit, because you are a follower of Christ, is equals everything. When we are a follower of Christ, if we are actively in God's presence, we are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the things that God wants us to do. But this is part of the key. I'm probably seeing this reality more and more in my life. If I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, I need to be actively following Christ. And so we actually kind of want it a little bit differently. So say... I'm going to pick on Brenda because she's right in the front door. Don't know Brenda. I'll go up and knock on her door. and Or maybe like someone says, you need to go talk to Brenda about Jesus. And I'm going, okay, God, I'm going to wait for your power to come upon me and then I'm going to go. The thing is, meanwhile, Jesus is walking up to Brenda's door and waiting for me to knock. Jesus is wanting me to follow because it's in that obedience that I will be empowered to do the things God wants me for. And too many of us are sitting back waiting for God to actually zap us with some kind of spiritual lightning and then we will go. It is in our going, it is in our obedience that we actually are equipped by God to do the things that God wants us to do because that actually shows our faith. 
It actually shows that we believe what Jesus is actually saying to us. That Jesus, you, you are with me in this and that's all we need. And so we actually see in that verse also in Acts a bit of a, an outlay of what God was planning to do. And so our next point is that we need to go close, near and far. Because when we look at that verse in, in, uh, in, at the start of Acts, where, where were the, what are the four places that, that God, Jesus told the disciples to go to? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay, yep. Samaria is number three, Judea, and then four is, yeah, and the ends of the earth, uttermost parts. So basically, there was like a, a process in doing this. We needed to go close, we needed to go near, which is Judea and then Samaria, and then far, even to the ends of the earth. And, okay. I'm not, I'm not wanting to be insulting here, but sometimes we struggle with the close. We struggle to walk next door. We struggle to talk to a workmate. We struggle to talk to family members. We struggle to talk to really close friends. And, and if we struggle with close, how is near and far going to become a reality? And, and the thing is, in today's day and age, one of the things that we probably need to be is, like, we need to be better prepared in doing this. We need to be ready to, 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 to stand up for it. And so there, there is something that we, we can sort of do alongside what the Spirit is doing in us. The interesting thing, when you look at the book of Acts, what Jesus told them in Acts 1, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, became exactly how the books of Acts is written. And I think, I think for me, one of the reasons God has done it that way, because he wanted to show that it is possible for his plan to go into, to become reality. Because initially, we, they, you see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down and, and, and 5,000 people came to Christ on that first day. And then you see that they were regularly coming together and, and so many thousand people came to the church. But then what you see happening is that you see Philip and, and others sort of going off just that little bit further and, and spreading that gospel message. And you see people coming to know Christ. The real Christ, not, not just following the, the legalism of, of Judaism, but the relationship of, of Christianity. But then all of a sudden, you, you sort of move through that and then you get to Paul. And Paul initially started in local areas once he was ready to, to do what God wanted to do. But then the, the Spirit sort of moved him to, to go way beyond that. And so we, we look at Paul as, as that first missionary that sort of set that goal of going into all the world, all the known world at the time. And what we know of the, of, of the disciples, most of them actually spread out to actually take the gospel wherever they went. So the book of Acts becomes this, I suppose, outline for the reality that could be for us. And, and this was what the disciples did because initially that spread happened. After they spent time in Jerusalem, I think they probably did get a bit comfortable. Anyone ever felt comfortable in their Christianity? Okay, the, all the rest of you are right on that piping edge where God is passionately you driving you to everything else. Because so, there are times I feel comfortable with my Christianity. And, and comfort living Christianity is not always a good thing. So... Um, all I'm saying is that we feel like we don't have to do anything comfortable. Not, I feel content in my faith comfortable. 
like we're not being obedient to what God is asking us to do. That would have happened in Jerusalem. Because the, the, as the Christians grew, they became more and more accepted. And there was numbers of them. So they, they were like, hey, we're, we're, a, we're a big club now. We're recognized. And then people like Saul, who became Paul, instigated persecution. And all of a sudden, Christians were getting locked up. Christians were getting beaten. And so what the Christians did, they said, we can no longer live here. And so they started to leave Jerusalem. But this was the key. Everywhere they went... They shared about Jesus. They, they went, well, if we, if we believe him because we believe in Jesus, we might as well people along the way. And so it became part of their lifestyle to, to share Jesus Christ with those around them. I don't know if it's a Western thing or not, but I think at times we compartmentalize God into this slot in our life. God is Sunday, like God is Bible study. God is an event that we go to. And those other times, oh yeah, God can come into it, but I've got other things to focus on. For the early disciples, Jesus was everything, everything else sort of fitted in with what God was in their life. It changed it up quite a bit. And so right from the get-go, Jesus had a plan for the gospel message to be shared by his witnesses who were empowered by the Holy Spirit all around him. Now, the thing is, we're all different in this, and we're going to witness and share in different ways. And so we've got, we've got different gifts, but the same goal. Now, some of you, have anyone ever thought this? Wouldn't it be great if everyone was like me? Anyone, anyone want to be brave enough and say, yep, I wish everyone was like me? How awesome would the world be? Like, you're one of those people that you go, you know what? I'm pretty awesome. Wouldn't it be great if everyone have Everyone else was like that. So, okay, maybe we do have a humble bunch. Maybe some of you are lying. I don't know. But like, um, but like, yeah, I'm thinking there'd be like, I'd have someone to laugh at my jokes. Um, some people, probably, someone would probably take my jokes. Uh, I wouldn't be, so maybe it wouldn't be a good thing. But the thing is, sometimes we think that way that, oh, if everyone just thought the way I did and, and, and like did it my way, I'd be happy. The problem is then like, I suppose life could be a bit boring. I'm not saying you're boring, but everything would be the same. So even if you're the most exciting person, if everyone was the same, it could get a bit, bit boring. But the thing is, what we, we're actually designed to be a blessing in our difference. This, this is really important for you to understand. There are people that are more interested in you, who will listen to you more, who will be friends with you more than they'll ever be with me. So doesn't it make sense that they will hear the gospel from you than, than from, better from you than from me? It, it, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, we go. So what you've just nodded and agreed to, there are people in your world that you will reach better than me. So we've, we've established that fact, which means... Who is going to reach those people in your world? Oh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> I was a bit, a bit worried there for a second. Like it was sort of, it, it will be, it will be you. Um, again, it, it may be us casting the net together as a church and getting to know someone that comes into the church. Like, do you know what? I would love us to get to a point as a church where we have people sitting here every Sunday that don't believe in Jesus. 
Not, not people going backwards, like I'm going, I believe in Jesus last time, I don't believe him this week. Don't want that. But what I want is, is people that are exploring the idea of who God is. And because of the relationships I have with people in this church, they are present here. And because of what I say, what other people say, because of what we do in the worship, all of a sudden they are drawn more and more to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And so all of a sudden we see people coming to know Christ and we celebrate that. And then we have more people that don't know Jesus in our church. And more people that don't know Jesus in our church. But they keep moving down that pathway. That would be exciting for me to see. Now, now don't get me wrong. I, I, I love seeing your faces every Sunday. I love having you in my church. I love to see stories of what God is doing in your life. But the last thing Jesus said for us was to go into all the world and make disciples. And I think it's got to get a bit of a sharper focus for not just our church, but God's church in the world. Like when we look at Australia, we're not even deemed a Christian country anymore. And you see what happens with that. And this is, this is what I've come to realize. All the changes of rules and, and everything else like that, it doesn't matter. Because if Jesus grabs onto people's lives and changes their heart, they will follow him with their lives. And that is better than rules any day. We can try and change the rules and say, yep, we can feel comfortable again. The rules are back where God wants them. But God doesn't want that. He wants hearts that are sold out to him. And so we have, we have this idea of different gifts in the same goal. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 uh, brings up uh, this and starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So God has actually designed us to be different. He's designed us to reach different people. And I, I have to say, there are, there are some areas of our, well, not, there are some new and exciting areas around our church as, as it's coming together. And it actually starts looking like a bit of a net around our church. For the first time ever in our church, we have someone looking after the wrinklies. Okay? Like, Jimmy and Helen have got a passion to reach older people. We've been looking at kids and youth for years and all of a sudden we've got something for, for those seniors to invite their friends and family along to. It has been exciting to see, and even on Friday night, to see our youth come along. And we have kids at youth group that know nothing about the Bible. That is fantastic. I'm not saying that they don't, haven't had an education. They've never been exposed to the Bible before. And so everything we are talking about is fresh and new. And we had one, one kid on Friday night who, he was part of our kids club years ago. I was able to connect with him again last year. And he's been coming along since that point in time. And on Friday night, I shared about the fact that Jesus, Jesus was an historical person. We, we can know that for a fact. And so if that becomes a fact, and we're going to be building on this each fortnight. If that's a fact, what does that mean for me? And so we started having a conversation after, after youth as he was helping me pack up. He goes, oh, my family's not very religious. And he was asking me a few questions about what it means to, to, to be like, he, he actually asked me the question. So if I don't believe in Jesus, do I go to hell? I'm going, it's never really the first question you really want to answer. But I went, 
He's actually asking a question. He's actually interested in finding out more about Jesus. And that's part of what we're trying to do in our ministries. So we have stuff for the men. We have stuff for the women. Our Breakout Kids Club becomes another sort of loop in our net. All of a sudden, we're going to be connecting with kids in our, in our community. The kids who are part of our church can bring along their friends so they can hear about Jesus. You see how the net starts to envelop. And, and it has been so exciting this year to see a net that doesn't have as many holes in it as we may have used to have had. All of a sudden, we're going, to have, we're going to have more old people in church and connected to our church. We're going to have more children making noise in church. Praise God for that. We're going to have youth that are going to come and mess up the church. So for those who get upset by messy churches, by God's grace, get over it. We're going to have, hopefully, men who are connecting in with us who, who all of a sudden, they, they might be a bit rough around the edges. This is where we want them. We want them not just in this building, but we want them at the heart of our church and what we are doing. This becomes so important because even in that diversity of of ministries and people running those ministries, even among the diversity we have among our people who who are reaching out in different workplaces and neighborhoods, we have such a great opportunity to see this happening. And it's in that oneness and, and, and that we see this unique ability to fulfill God's plan. Romans 12, 5-8 says, In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Each one of us becomes part of this net. I've fished with people before that don't even put a rod in the water. They're just there to talk to you. Or even worse, they go swimming in the water where you're fishing. Okay? Now, if you ever go fishing with me, that's a big no-no. You scare the fish away, you don't catch anything. But the thing is, we, we kind of treat our fishing like that as Christians. Oh, great to see you're doing a good job. I'll be over here. I don't want to smell the spiritual fishy guts. I don't want to, I don't want to get anywhere near that. I'm going to be out sort of stepping away from it. Because there's no, we are all in. The giftings that you have, the interests that you have, the friends that you have put you right in the middle of being able to sort of be more effective in spreading that kingdom net. Whatever your gifting is, do it to the best of your ability. It is all needed and necessary in the kingdom. And if we are going to spread the kingdom net to the furthest reaches, we're going to need everyone with all the diverse gifts and abilities evolved. The job is too big and difficult for any one of us to try and accomplish alone. In fact, without each other, we really don't stand a chance. But the good news is that we are in this together. We are the kingdom net and we have Jesus Christ who is always with us. And that's the promise he has for us. He said he is, he is with you at all times. The Gospel of Matthew actually makes this really clear when he shares the Great Commission in, in Matthew 28. 
And Jesus uh, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you even to the end of the age. See, sometimes when we read that verse, it all just rushes together. Oh, that's a really good verse, really good. But like, I, I think Jesus would have actually... He was working with the disciples, okay? You saw what they were like. He would have spent a bit of time on this. This is what Matthew put together after Jesus actually explained what every one of those sentences mean. But Jesus would have spent a bit of time on this fact that, you know what, guys? When I was crucified, you thought I was gone. You were, you were hiding like I was gone. And now... I'm alive, I'm, I'm, I'm going away, but I, I need you to realize that don't go back into hiding. Don't go back there. I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. I'm going to be with you when you're sharing with people. I'm going to be with you when you are persecuted. I'm going to be with you as you're running away from people to another place and you have to start a brand new church. I'm going to be with you when you lose your life for the sake of the gospel. Jesus said, I'm going to be present with you each one of those stages. But that promise continues for us. Jesus is going to be with you as you go into your world and cast a net for Jesus Christ. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the last thing Jesus said. The last thing, he gave us the challenge, he gave us the instruction, but he left us with this such a great promise that while we are doing the things that God wants us to do, Jesus will be present with us. He is with us for better or for worse, all the way to the end. What an amazing promise from the king. And in that, I don't know of a king who's more devoted to his people than Jesus Christ. So when he says, go make disciples, when he sends the Spirit to empower us, when he promises to be with us to the end, this is my prayer for us as a church, that we would be hooked. That we would be hooked on this mission for God. What we need to realize is that we had been caught by the net that someone else cast. Now, again, it could be family. It could be friends. I know a few of your different stories that of how you've come to Jesus Christ. And, and, and some, like, are miraculous. Some seem to be like, okay, yeah, that's, that's sort of normal progression. But people were involved in, in casting that around us. And so if we want to see the kingdom grow, that becomes our task. That becomes our challenge. And so I I pray that you are able to say with me that that you are ready to walk off the boat, drop the nets and run after Christ to follow him. It's not always going to be easy. We are now living in a world where there is a, an attitude against Christianity. And part of that attitude is, is because people know what we stand against 
but they don't know about Jesus. Now, all, all the things that God says, this is what is holy, this is what is good, this, I understand why those are there. Like I, can, like I understand that. But sometimes we talk about what is right and wrong rather than the one who is righteous and the one who will make us holy and the one who will change our lives. And so we need to make sure that people know that we are followers of Jesus. And so that we can join the great fishes of men and women and see people that are caught up in the kingdom net. Now, the challenge I'm going to leave with you today, I want you to join with me in praying for what our church is doing at the moment and how you can be involved in that. I've I've listed, we have seniors, pray for them. Invite your friends along if you are mature enough to join in. We have our men's and women's events. So for those who are men, we handed out one for a movie night. And again, I've been talking to a couple of guys. I'm thinking about inviting these friends along to that. Do it. Don't, don't think about it. Do it. We have our youth. Again, it is, it is encouraging to see our young people invite people along. Now, again, I will admit they're probably inviting them along because they're having a good time. They want to hang out with their mates. Um, that's, that's great. But again, they are coming along and hearing about Jesus. And even pray this right now at the start of the year. We have our high school camp coming up in, in um, June, uh, start of July this year. My prayer is that we take a large group of our youth up to that camp so they will have a time where they are not distracted by the world and they get to hear about Jesus in a, in a real focused way. Can, can you join with me that as a church? To go, you know what, let's, let's be praying the kingdom net over these young people. We then have our outreach month. And so that's two, three Sundays away we're starting. Who are you going to try and cast your net over to bring to that? To hear the story of Christ, to hear the truth of God and how God's truth sets us free. One of the things, this, this was a number of years ago now, I remember um, one of the, our outreach months, um, someone was sharing a testimony and what I was preaching about that day, someone came up to me after the service and goes, I have a friend that would have so loved to hear that. I said, did you invite him? Nah. Didn't even think about it, invite him. I'm going, <laughs> okay. And that was even before we were recording stuff. So at least now we're recording stuff, we can point him in that direction. Don't let these next events next opportunities in our life of our church be the ones that get away make the most of it if they say no they say no don't say no for them okay and then be praying for our kids club Um, we have had children come to know Jesus in our kids club we want to see more of that we want to see our families connected with our church because of that and so Join with me as we pray for those things, to pray to, for our, our, our kingdom net. And again, help us pray for you. If you've got someone specifically that you're praying for, put your name on the board. Put their, put their name on the board so we can be praying for them as well. We want to cast our net for the purpose of God's kingdom growing because we know that God loves us and he loves them. And this, this is the, the focal point of what we are called to be a part of is seeing people come to know Jesus and all that he is.
I pray that we know all that he is, but I, I pray that others would come to know him for the first time and get, begin to discover that for themselves. So that's the challenge I want to leave with you today, that you would be hooked as much as I am and that you would be challenged to be fishing with God's net in the world in which you live in. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that has loved each one of us. You have provided a way for each one of us to come into your kingdom, to be a part of your family, to know your love, to know your grace, to know your plans for us, to live in your hope and to to receive your joy and, and to experience your work around us even when life is difficult. But Lord, we, we want to be a part of, of, of your fishermen. We want to be a part of that team that is casting your net in the world that we live in. And Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunities that we have as a church to see that happen. I pray that you would be drawing each one of us in, in different ways and, and acknowledging our difference, but to see people come in that way and to be a part of that. And so Lord, move us where you want to move us if it's close move us close if it's near move us near if it is far lord move us and stretch us in such a way that we reach to exactly where you want us to reach to use us as a church lord to see people come to know jesus we pray this in your name amen Amen.